Hey, everybody. Welcome to a super special episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani, our friend, the show's friend. He's been on before, Dr. Firuz Naderi. He is former director of solar system exploration at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He's been involved with landing on Mars in the past, so we have him here today to talk to us about the latest landing on Mars, Perseverance the latest landing on Mars. He's gonna give us his opinion, what happened, tell us how he was involved, and he's gonna tell us in life, if you wanna persevere at anything, you gotta stay in the game. Don't be in a rush, stick with it. He's also here to tell us, no matter what field you're in, you should be political. Don't listen to people who tell you not to be political. And lastly, he's gonna teach us how Tehran can get his name on the next rover landing on Mars. That and more right now on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Maz Jobrani. Hey. Jobrani Maz. Oh. Maz Jobrani. Hey. Jobrani. Mazzy, Mazzy. Oh. Maz, 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 Maz. Hey. I got a podcast. Oh. Back to school. Yeah. All right, guys. Welcome. I'm excited. This is a very, very timely episode. First of all, I want to say hello to my sidekick, my man, Tehran. How are you? I'm great. I can't wait for today's episode. This is the exciting stuff I love to talk about. Listen, Tehran, you and I know as Iranian Americans, whenever any Iranian American does something out of the ordinary, where they're not a lawyer, doctor, engineer, we all get excited. And one of the superstars- When in they're our successful, when they're successful. It's not like CVS part-time cashier at Walgreens. Like, Bro, that's not- I, no, I get excited. When I go to an ice cream store and the guy scooping ice cream is Persian, I get excited. <laughs> I get excited. I go, you're scooping ice cream? And I go, what's going on? And you go, I like to do it. I go, that's fantastic. So I get excited just to see people doing something different. One of the superstars in our community is Dr. Firuz Naderi. He has been involved with NASA for years and years. And he retired a little while back. Um, he's now been uh, consulting. He's been public speaking. He's a human rights activist. He's a great human being. And so when I saw perseverance land on Mars and I watched the videos, my mind was blown. I just, and I'm not like a crazy space nut all the time, but you can't help but get emotional when you see this perseverance landing on Mars and then all the engineers jumping up and down and you realize, oh my God, so much work went into this and they're crying and they're hugging each other. And I don't even know why I'm so excited, but I'm excited. And I said, we got to talk to Dr. Nadari about this. Did you watch the video of the landing, Tehran? Yeah, of course. I was glued. Watched the video, well, the YouTube clips, and thought it was fascinating. I mean, I, I think Mars is the next frontier. I'm trying to get on that waiting list with Elon Musk on who gets to go there because I don't want to be left out. And I don't, I don't know how it's going to work for marginalized communities, but I'm on my way. Tehran, I swear to God, you will fit. If they say... You know, we've got we've got a black guy, we've got a Mexican lady, we've got an Asian dude, we've got this, that, that. Then I'm like you go, four of the list. I'm like four, one person, four, four boxes. Yeah, you gotta be a look. I can fill all those. You need a black Iranian. I'm your guy. I'm the guy, bro. You know how you know how how much your Instagram following would would increase if you did a Instagram live from Mars, bro. Those are the things that we think about. Think about that's. That's the move. Just go there just for your Instagram followers. That's all I really want. What else? Listen, man, I'm excited because this episode is so entertaining and so exciting and so interesting. I want everybody, first of all, 
to follow Dr. Naderi at Firuz, F-I-R-O-U-Z underscore Naderi, N-A-D-E-R-I. That's at Firuz underscore Naderi on Twitter. And on Instagram, he's at Firuz underscore Michael underscore Naderi. He's got a lot of followers on both. He posts a lot about politics, but a lot about space programs. And he is just a sweetheart of a human being. So we're so excited to have him. Tehran, how do they find you? I am Tehran all across the board and on Mars. There you go. And you got me at Maz Jobrani. Let us know how you feel about the show. Tell your friends. We're trying to increase our listenership. After you listen to this, pass it on to a friend. Say you got to listen to this and have them subscribe. Let's build our audience here. Find us on Clubhouse. Find us in March at the Orlando Improv. Find us in April, now going to play Palm Springs. All these dates are going to be at mazjobrani.com. Live comedy is coming back, socially distanced, but it's coming back. And, uh, oh, watch my special on Peacock. Peacock. It's called Pandemic Warrior. I'm counting on you guys to watch it so the numbers can go up. So please watch that as well. It's free. You can download it, check it out. Uh, Without further ado, let's go back to school with Firuz Naderi on Back to School with Mazjobrani. Dr. Firuz Naderi, our friend, friend of the shows. This is your second time on. Yes, it is. Yeah, my favorite hosts. Thank you for being with us, Tehran. Aren't you, aren't you always happy to see Dr. Naderi, Tehran? Dr. Naderi has been one of my favorite people for a very long time. Dr. Naderi has literally known me since I was a kid and has always dropped knowledge. You know, you loved Dr. Naderi, and you the first time you were on, we talked about your journey into becoming uh, uh, someone who helped le- the you know led the mission to land the rover on Mars and with J- the Jet Propulsion Laboratory JPL, and then when Perseverance landed just a week ago, we said we got there's only one person we can talk to. That's Dr. Firuz Naderi, yeah, so thank so you. This would have been my uh, sixth lander. And uh, the first one, I wasn't actually uh, near the control room to watch it in real time. I was in, um, in my living room on my couch. Uh, and nonetheless, uh, I cry easily. So the tears start rolling as soon as we landed. Um, so this would be the last Mars mission that I would have had anything whatsoever to do with. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, my role in this one, uh, you know, a bit down the road. But yeah, it was very emotional. It was emotional for all of us because the there was more footage, there was more coverage. It's amazing. Like social media, they say, has covered everyone now with everything we do. Social media is now covering Mars as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, for the first time, you, you know, we put cameras on uh, everything. And I don't know whether you've seen some of the videos or not. They're just my, I mean, just the fact that it is coming to us, not from Australia, but from Mars. I mean, that in itself just uh, gives you goosebumps. I get goosebumps when you say it, and I want everyone to listen to the rest of this interview. But then when it's done, I want you to Google NASA Perseverance. Look at the videos that come with it listen to the audio came back funny enough i was listening to stephen colbert who's very funny because when you listen to the audio it's yeah. just it sounds like he said it sounds like a butt dial for mars <laughs> yes yeah 
So let's not lose track here. Let's start with the first question. This week's first question comes from my daughter, Mila, who when I said uh, we got Dr. Nadari back, she had a question for you. Here we go. Mila's 10 years old, and here's her question to Dr. Nadari. Hi, Dr. Nadari. I have a question for you. Do you think that they'll ever find life on Mars? Well, I think we have the right vehicle to uh, give us that answer, right? So this rover builds on the findings of all the previous rovers. Like if you go back 16 years ago to when I was running the program and we landed Spirit and Opportunity, the twin rovers, then uh, we asked them a very specific question. We said, was there ever liquid water on Mars? Because if there is no liquid water on Mars, forget it, life couldn't have, uh, you know, been formed. So the question, was it ever, uh, you know, like in the past liquid water, it came back and said, yes, uh, you know, we have enough uh, evidence to, uh, to, to say that there was. So then the next rover that we sent, we asked a different question. Okay, uh, we need water, but we need other stuff. Like you and I who are sitting here, we're mostly made out of six elements. They called biogenic elements is uh, hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen and phosphor and carbon and sulfur. He said, can you find these on Mars? And Curiosity, which we landed in 2012, has come back and said, yep, these, all of these elements are on Mars too. So now what we know is that the conditions could have been right for life uh, to arise. But the conditions being right and life arising are two different things. So with this one, with perseverance, we're asking a more direct questions. To say, do you find evidence of past life? So it is looking for microfossils. Uh, and so the question is, where do we send it? I mean, Mars is a big area, where do we send it? So we have found um, a, a large lake, an ancient lake. Uh, it, it is on Jezero Crater. It's like about 40 kilometers wide. And then we have also found an old ancient river that used to drain into this lake. And from Earth, you know, when uh, rivers drain into lakes, right at the mouth where they go in, they form something that they call river delta. That's where the river will deposit all the stuff that's been carrying with it before the waters join. So we think that if there is anywhere where evidence of life is preserved is in that river delta in Jezero crater. So that is where we have gone and that is where um, uh, perseverance will start looking and I will tell you uh, as we go along exactly how it is looking to find out if we find evidence of life directly, not whether the conditions were right, but whether there was life. That's amazing. It's like a crime scene investigation. This is CSI Mars. You've sent Perseverance up there and you're saying, find me the murder weapon, find me. I mean, that's amazing that you're doing this. Now, just to step back for a second, but in I, your analogy, we're now looking for the smoking gun. Looking for the smoking gun. I want to see. Why is this important, though? Why is it so important to find if there was life on Mars? Unless it's in humanoid form or something very prevalent, what's the difference? 
Yeah, Tehran, that goes back to um, how life uh, came about on Earth, right? So we know, I mean, if we go back way back, I mean, to the origins, to the Big Bang, you know, you can trace expansion of the universe for most of the 13 billion years that we've been in existence. Physics tell, tells you how a star happened, the galaxies happened, how the sun was formed, how the earth was formed. We know pretty much with clarity all of that, right? So, um, but that's all chemistry. You're all talking about chemistry. You're not talking about biology. There is no biology. Then now let's come back to Earth. Earth was formed about 4 billion years ago, and we can trace 13 billion years ago to the formation of Earth. Now let's go from the current time backward and look at the biology. Now we have biology, now we have biology all over. So we start stepping backwards towards the beginning of, uh, the beginning of Earth. So we can go back almost 4 billion years ago when we had only single cell biology on Earth, which, you know, as Darwin has predicted, eventually, you know, got more complicated and more complicated and eventually led to us, right? So biology started sometimes on Earth after formation of Earth. We don't know yet this transition from chemistry to biology. You had this chemical universe that explains everything, sun, earth, Mars, everything else, galaxies and all. And we see the diversity of life. We know how, how it evolved. But if you go back to the gap between when we crossed over from chemistry to biology, that we don't know yet. So now I get to answer your question. The question is this step chemistry to biology. Is it something rare or it happens everywhere? I mean, it doesn't matter on Mars if you find another Tehran conducting a comedy show, right? It matters whether that little um, jump from chemistry to biology happened. And if it happened with a little micro cell, a bacteria, we knew that that bridge was, you know, that gap was bridged you went from chemistry to biology. Now, if Mars would have retained its condition, chances are that one cell would have evolved like it evolved, evolved on Earth you know, to end up with people like us. <clears throat> but that's not the most important. The most important is whether that jump happened. And if that jump happened from chemistry to biology in right next door to us, right? Then imagine now you're talking about billions and trillions of other stars and planets and all of that. If it happened twice here in our neighborhood on Earth and on Mars, the chances that it must have happened all over the place uh, goes up astronomically. And in many of these places, conditions uh, could have prevailed so that the evolution that happened on Earth also happens all these other places. That is deep, my friend. That is deep. And I'm curious real quickly, how long did it take Perseverance to go from Earth to Mars? And I know, and also if you know approximately, I believe the speed had to be fast at the start, but at the very end, it has to slow down a lot. Can you explain yeah. a little bit of the technicalities? Yeah, so since we're not into the science phase yet, the most interesting 
is the question that you ask. How did we get there? And how did we pinpoint the landing? I want to give you an example, right? Suppose rather than coming from going from Earth to Mars, we were going the other way from Mars to Earth. And somebody would ask you, says, I'm going to Earth. And I say, okay, Earth is a big place. Where do you want to go? You want to go to Australia? You want to go to uh, uh, Belgium? You want to go to Shiraz, my home city? Where do you want to go? And they come back and says, you know what? Where I want to go, I want to go to the cross street of Wilshire and 23rd Street. There is a, a Trader's Joe there. That's where I want to go. So if they would have asked that question of me 16 years ago when we landed, I said, good luck. You know, we don't have that kind of precision, man. So I know you want to go to California. I can promise that I will land you somewhere between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. That's the best I can do for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the technology that we had, you know, at that time. So with perseverance, we still can land you at the intersection of Wilshire and 23rd. But uh, we say, OK, uh, we can land you in city of Santa Monica. How is that? Maybe within five kilometer radius of where you want to go. I know if we find a safe place, we'll land you there. So first of all, this is the precision of going from Earth to Mars and landing in a location that tight. Now, why that, is that important? There is always a debate between the scientists and the engineers. Scientists want to go where you can do exotic science. Engineers want to land where it is safe to land. Mm. And often these two are in conflict. The best places to do science might not be the most the safest place for you to land. Going back to my Trader's Joe example, is that you're driving by Trader's Joe and you all of a sudden see a parking spot. It's very tight, the car behind you and in front of you has not left much room. And to uh, shoehorn your car into that little space depends on how good a driver you are. And then if you're not a very good driver, you give up, you go a few blocks down and find place where there is no cars, you park and then walk the rest of the way. So as we have gotten more sophisticated, we have learned how to squeeze this rover into where the uh, scientists want to go. And that's uh, really quite a, saying quite a lot. I mean, it's, uh, you ask me how far, it's 300 million miles. Wow. From earth to landing was 300 million miles. It took six and a half months to get there. Okay, so you know you're going pretty it fast. It took six and a half months to get 300 million miles. Yeah, that's amazing because that's the same time it takes me to get to Burbank from West Hollywood. It's six and a half months. Yeah, sometimes four or five freeways exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta stop using ways. You gotta start using. Uh... Call me up. I'll tell you how to get. I, I gotta get. I gotta start using NASA JPL. That's NASA JPL. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you you may have to be beam, beamed up a little bit and go above the cars, but we'll figure <laughs> that out. So it's going. It's six months to go three hundred million miles. Yeah. And then at that last, the the very end, how like it's got to yeah. slow down. So, um, ironically, the most dangerous part of the uh, trip is not this 300 million miles in six and a half months. What normally kills most of the Mars missions is the last seven minutes. Wow. 
we call it uh, the uh, thrilling and the terror of the seven, uh, the last seven minutes. So you approach Mars. I mean, there is no gate to Mars saying now you have arrived at Mars. But <laughs> uh, by convention, a 125 kilometers off the surface of Mars, we have defined that by convention that we're now entering the Martian space. Okay, so you hit that 125 kilometers. You are going um, approximately, let me say in, in uh, miles would be about 12,000 miles per hour. Wow. And in kilometers is 20,000 kilometers per hour. And six or seven minutes later, you're on the ground one way or the other. Either you landed safely or you make a ditch in the surface of Mars. So there is a, a really a choreographed, uh, like literally a hundred things have to happen at precise moment to slow you down so that you can soft land on, on Mars. And uh, uh, so first there's a heat shield because I mean, the uh, atmosphere of Mars is very thin. It's like about 1% of the earth. But nonetheless, when you're going with that speed, there's friction with even a thin atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And that slows you down a bit, but it gets very hot in front of the vehicle. It gets to 3000 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. And if there is not a heat shield, you're gonna burn up. So after you sort of weather that heat and slow down, then uh, you pop open a parachute, okay? A supersonic parachute. And that slows you down a little bit more until you get to the height of, oh, maybe 20 story buildings. And then there is this exotic jetpack that is embracing the perseverance and that fires up and then starts lowering the perseverance on a set of string, um, set of ropes all the way to the surface. And as soon as touchdown is con confirmed, then the ropes are caught, this sky crane flies away and crashes, and we are on, uh, on the ground. So that's Holy the process. Holy moly. That just, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat listening to this description because there's so many things that got to come into play. And again, people should definitely Google NASA Perseverance because the video is there now for us to see. And yeah. I'll tell you, Dr. Nader, you make me feel like I am underachieving because as comedians, if we come up with a good joke, we're like, I wrote a joke. Oh, it's, it, it, it's just a different skill set. Come on, don't sell yourself short. And uh, I would be terrorized if I had to uh, write a joke and deliver it. So it's just a different skill set. Well, what you do obviously is a lot more involved and more precise. And, and my question to you, because last time you were with us, you told us the experience of ha having sent Rover on Mars, and you just explained that last seven minutes is a big seven minutes. Now, I believe the way you said before was once it gets to that last seven minutes, you don't know what's happening because it takes time for the signal to come from Mars back to Earth. Now, this time when I was watching the video, it felt instantaneous. It felt like it landed and the lady goes, Perseverance has landed. Was that video from seven minutes before and they were all waiting on the edge of their seats like you guys had to? Yeah, so um, they are, as you said, it takes 10 minutes 
11 minutes. I think it was for perseverance was 11 minutes for the signal traveling at the speed of light to get from Mars to Earth, right? So everything that we hear uh, had happened 11 minutes ago. So when we say we landed, we have landed 11 minutes ago. So normally when you're in a control room, when that 11 minutes occur, you know you're on the surface of Mars, you have either crashed or you have safe landed, but you're not gonna find out for 11 minutes. So what the lady starts saying that this happened and that happened, it is all as the signal comes in, she's saying it in real time, but 11 minutes later. So that's how it plays out. Uh, and the video that you saw for the first time, of course, we put cameras all over and, uh, and you, you say you saw the video, which is remarkable. And uh, so that video, in fact, didn't come until a couple of days later. We, you know, processed the imagery and all of that. So the video that you have seen, we landed on Thursday. And I think the video was released uh, this Monday. And, uh, and, and before I let Tehran ask a question on this, because I just want to follow up, because you told us last time that it had taken four years. I think it was about four years in the making from start to landing and so that last 11 minutes when you were waiting when you were waiting for the rover to land you you were on eggshells pins and needles and once it landed you said you just started crying yeah because of all that work and now this time we see this video of um, miguel san martin who yeah, yeah. was the chief engineer for guidance navigation and control system for nasa yeah. perseverance there's a great video of him at home watching and then yep. just losing himself. So describe to us what what was going through his mind as you've experienced it as well. So Miguel, a good friend of mine, an Argentinian American, one of the best control engineers in the world. He was instrumental in designing the sky crane because at the beginning we thought, okay, so this rover is dangling at the end of ropes and probably like pendulum is going like this. It's gonna be impossible to land it. He learned how to stabilize this thing so that you can land it. So uh, anything that we do at JPL, you know, somebody asked me on uh, Instagram, uh, you know, the Iranian diaspora and back home, they have a inflated opinion of me. <laughs> and so they said, uh, so were you the, uh, the mastermind uh, behind uh, Perseverance? I said, me? No, definitely not me. They said, well, then who? And I told them with this mission and any other missions that we do, when they ask who is the mastermind, the answer is the team. There is no individual that conjures up this whole thing right? It is the team and you will not find anybody at uh, NASA to proclaim himself as the father of perseverance or this or that. Everybody always gives uh, credence, uh, the, uh, the credit to the team. And it is, I, reg you know, I regret to say that in our culture, we are so addicted to hero worship that you know, we lose the sight that these incredible uh, things are done by selfless individual that are part of a team that this magnificent uh, things. So let me get back to 
uh, Miguel. Miguel was part of a team uh, that sort of conjured up this idea of sky crane lowering this thing to the surface. And first, when we uh, uh, presented this thing to NASA, they said, you guys are crazy. We're not going to fund this. It's not going to happen. And this is the second time, by the way, we first did it with Curiosity in uh, 2012. And you know, I was there in the control room. And when it landed, and the NASA chief was in the room, and saw us jumping down and yelling and howling and all of that, he said, what is this? I thought you guys said, this is going to work 100% of the time. <laughs> Why are you so surprised? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so Miguel, uh, you know, you saw that. And it, uh, it is like that. It is really that much that uh, emotional because you, um, uh, you know, you put in your, your, your heart and your life uh, for many years. You said four years. No, it's a lot more than four years. Uh, so I stepped down from uh, JPL five years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I was well into uh, the, uh, the uh, Perseverance project. And I'll tell you what part of it was done under me. And uh, so uh, more likely eight years, wow. sometimes from conception to, to landing 10 years, it takes a long time. And part of it is to sell the mission. I mean, just because we come up with it, that doesn't mean NASA is going to fund it. You know, this show is about learning moments. That was a learning moment. No matter what field you're in, you have to have perseverance yeah. intended. You yeah. have to stick with it and you have to have patience because as you said, it took maybe even eight years. And yeah. that's why when you see that moment, it's such a glorified moment. We see some of the best filmmakers. They take years and years to make a film. We see some yeah. of Best doctors take years and years to get to where they are. So thank you for teaching us to have that patience. Um, yeah, it is that. And it really, I, I think for me, if our community can learn uh, to think in collective terms rather than individuals, you know, I uh, always recoil when uh, some well-intended people, uh, you know, praise, he praise on me. Uh, and what they don't realize, I'm just a small uh, cog in this engine. Uh, it, it is the team. Well, it's also good that Donald Trump wasn't president because then he would have yes. taken credit. He would have said, I did absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. I came up with it. Tehran, what's your question for Dr. Nadri? I actually want to know, where did these names come from? Perseverance, Spirit. Yeah. Uh, who comes up? Is there like a JPL, NASA JPL thesaurus of positive affirmations you just Tehran would, Tehran would inspiration like it, Tehran would like you to name one after him please that's <laughs> where I'm getting at who does who's the king of the names or is it the team do I have to talk to the team yeah good question no we always uh, you know uh, have a contest and it is for um, uh, high school students and elementary uh, students uh, curiosity uh, uh, all of all of the names Perseverance was an 11-year-old boy who came up with it. And uh, we haven't talked about the helicopter yet. And Ingenuity, which is the name of the helicopter, that was also came by. All of them are kids. And they have to write an essay uh, for, um, I don't know, for Perseverance or for Ingenuity. There were 21,000 entries wow. by school kids across the country. Now, I don't know who had the patience to read all of them. 
but uh, the uh, about a couple of years before launch, uh, the winner is announced. Maybe that's what took eight years, Doctor Nadir. You guys were ready to go, but they had to read <laughs> all the essays. Have a name. Yeah, like we don't have a Listen, name. Listen, you have to have your daughter next time submit a name. I'm gonna definitely do that. How often are you guys gonna be doing this? Is it every couple of years? Okay, so um, that brings me back to perseverance. Um, this is the first of a series of three missions that taken all together is going to bring samples of Mars back to Earth. Okay, this a whole collection of the three missions is called Mars Sample Return. And the thing is that we have landed on Mars, but we have never ever gotten off the surface of Mars. It's been all one way uh, trip. We have not come back. Of course, humans have never gone. Even robotically, we have never come back. So what we have done with Perseverance is gonna go to this river Delta and elsewhere. We have given it 40 test tubes, which is a, sort of a bit thicker than your finger and a little bit longer than your finger. And it is like ultra, ultra clean that there is no trace of anything from earth on it. So we have sent these and Perseverance will core into this Delta and take samples of Mars and fill these tubes, 40 of them. And then uh, over the course of the next couple of years, it will leave them on the surface of Mars. Hmm. This is the first of the three uh, missions. And then Amazon will, and then Amazon will send a, a delivery guy to pick them up and bring them. I, I have a story to tell you about okay, okay, Facebook okay. and Amazon in a minute. Yeah, go go ahead. So the uh, the second mission, we land a second lander, which in it it has a little fetch rover which will go and fetch uh, these test tubes, bring it back, and on the lander for the first time we have a rocket that can launch things off the surface of Mars. And we put all these 40 test tubes in a something about the size of a soccer ball. We fill it in that, and then this uh, rocket will launch this thing and puts it in the orbit of Mars. So then this basketball will just, is there orbiting Mars. Then the third mission, we send a spacecraft to go to Mars and look in that vast emptiness, try to find this basketball, meet with it, capture it, then cocoon it in something that would say anything that touched Mars cannot be exposed because we cannot bring anything back from Mars and do what Trump says China did to us. So we have to make sure that what comes back, it is completely, um, sanitized from anything that touched Mars. And then it would bring it back and then we'll take the samples. And the reason we do that, even though we have given a lot of sophisticated instruments to perseverance, there's still not a substitute for the huge laboratories that you find on earth and thousands of scientists. So the samples in the hands of the scientists in the laboratories on earth, you know, can be, you know, it can do wonders. So this is the first of the three missions for to bring samples back. Wow. Every time you describe this stuff, my mind is blown. I mean, how long is this process that the third by the by when will we have the samples here? Uh, you will be pay, you will be paying uh, college tuition 
by the time uh, that comes back. Uh, so your daughter is what, about eight? She's 10 right now. She's 10, okay, she would be well into, about 10 years. She, you know, she would be probably a, a, a junior in college at the time. That is crazy. So is Elon Musk is trying to get to the moon or to Mars? So Elon, a uh, brilliant man, um, uh, but even better than a genius technical mind, he is a master marketeer. You know, he's been playing up, uh, I'm going to go to Mars, I'm going to go to Mars now for, you know, I don't know how many years. Uh, the first time he said, he said, we're going to land in 2018. Of course, it didn't happen. Uh, now I think his next deadline is 2024. Before I left NASA, I did a study with two other colleagues that we thought that NASA could go to Mars in early uh, 2030s. And one of the stumbling things was uh, uh, money, right? I mean, when we went to the moon with Apollo, America was spending 6% of its GDP on, on, on space. And now we are spending less than a half a percent. And so again, going back, uh, I know this was in the trust of um, uh, Teron's question, but another question that people ask is that, you know, you asked me why we should get excited about a single cell. I answered that one. Another question that I always ask, oh God, we have this pandemic, we have economy, uh, you know, Texas doesn't have water and power, you know, landing on Mars, what will it do for? No, it will not do anything for but I come back to a great civilization should spend 99 and a half percent of all of its resources on all of that stuff, on economy, on education, on pandemic, on water and power, on global warming. 99 and a half percent of our resources should go towards that. But a half a percent to explore and increase our knowledge. I, mean, I just come back to Europeans 500 years ago. If they said all that we want is in Europe, why should we dare going on this ocean? At the end of it, we don't even know what it is. We may, our ship may just drop into nothingness. But they went. But and that didn't America's really work out. That didn't really work out for the people that were already there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that didn't work out, you know. It depends. It depends on perspective, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah like 50, 50 years from now, when we're having Thanksgiving on Mars, the the natives, yeah, yeah. the natives we'll on Mars, we'll have a different conversation. And so, the delta of the river are going to be like, damn Earthlings. Yeah, they exactly. Yeah, so let me go back to uh, Elon and his competitor Jeff Bezos. Uh, it is less known that Amazon and Jeff Bezos also is heavily into uh, rockets and space and all of that. So everybody has heard of SpaceX, which is uh, Elon's company. Sure. So Amazon started a little bit later and is going a little bit more methodically. And his company is called Blue Origin, right? And so he is also building rockets to go to the moon and all of that. So this brings me back to the helicopter. Uh, what seven, are they call they call they call it mancopter or something? Marscopter. Marscopter. Okay. Yeah. 
so about seven years ago, when we started, um, we couldn't get NASA to fund it. At a time, my estimate for it, and it was being done in my uh, directorate, uh, it was, we, we thought we needed 40 million uh, to make a long story short that, you know, our initial estimates are not exactly, uh, once you're doing first of a kind, one of a kind kind of a thing, the helicopter cost 80 million now that's completed. Oof. But uh, 40 million was my All estimate. <clears throat> well, if you think that's uh, much, the perseverance uh, cost is 2.7 billion. Is that with or without floor mats? <laughs> you know, when you buy a car, that's my biggest pet peeve. You buy a car and then they'll be like, yeah, yeah. yeah did you want, uh, you wanted the steering wheel? You're like, it, I thought it came with a steering wheel, but. No, this is yeah. the engine and the whole bed and you know, yeah. the, the fog lights and all of that. Yeah. So anyway, we wanted to do this thing and NASA wouldn't give us money. First of all, they thought it's crazy. Uh, Mars doesn't have enough atmosphere. You're not going to get a lift to go up. Uh, we're not going to give you the money. So we started thinking, a bunch of us started uh, brainstorming, and it was about time where Bezos wanted to deliver parcels using drones. And we thought, look, we go to Jeff. You see NASCARs, how NASCARs put all kinds of stickers all yeah. on it. So we go to Jeff and we say, look, uh, if you give us $40 million, maybe NASA will let you put, you know, like, uh, your sticker next to this and Amazon. then back, he says, <laughs> if i can deliver on mars i can certainly you know go to mars's uh, house and drop a package so i did what we do in startup companies i did a pitch deck to go and pitch to uh, jeff and you were debating should we do say 40 maybe 40 is too much maybe you should say 35 and so one of the guys came in and said guys i was looking at the uh uh, at the stock market last night, I was checking uh, Amazon stock, and between last night and uh, today, uh, Jeff Bezos made it made a billion dollars in one night. Wow! So don't start saying whether we should ask for forty or uh, three. So anyway, I, I sent a bunch of people went to Jeff and pitched the Mars copter to him, and he was really intrigued so much so that they said, "I love to do it." but I have to give it to my company, which is Blue Origins. And this is so sexy. That's gonna detract them from what I wanna do, which is build the, uh, build the rockets to go to the moon. He says, I'm very much interested, but he turned us down. Oh. Eventually we talked NASA into it. And you know, we built, uh, we built this thing. I mean, uh, 40 million sounds like a great, I mean, talk about advertising. That's a deal. That's a deal. I put, you know, I, I listen, fears. If you came to me, if, if you, I would have put at Maz Jobrani for my Instagram numbers to go up. You would have mortgaged your house, right? Mortgage my house. I would have sold my kids, my dogs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, it puts this thing in perspective when we're talking about helicopter and a lot of money, uh, and Elon with Tesla and, and uh, Bezos, they make these kind of monies tenfold overnight. So what's the job of the helicopter? What's it doing out there? Because you have you have perseverance is the thing that's got wheels and it's going to go to that riverbank. Yeah. What's the helicopter going to do? Okay, helicopter purely experimental. We uh, I think it's gonna uh, 
I was hoping at one time it would fly around Nowruz or Sizebedar so we can claim something. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to fly for another 60 days or so before everything is checked out. Um, so uh, just to show you can get lift, um, Mars has only 1% atmosphere. And this thing was so, you know, it's like about two kilograms. And the only way that can give it lift, I haven't checked, but the helicopters on Earth, uh, the, uh, the propellers going around like uh, about 300 RPM. So we had to make this thing 3000 RPM. Wow. To just get enough lift to lift this thing and have it be stable. So what it's going to do is just to demonstrate that you can do it. But eventually, if you can do it, we're gonna put it to work. We're just not gonna give it a pass and say, let's call it a day. But eventually the idea is that you can do a regional reconnaissance uh, and tell the rover where to go next. The neck on the rover can see maybe 20, 30 meters ahead. And if you're around the bend, doesn't know what's around the bend, but you can on a daily basis have these things take off, do reconnaissance and come back and tell rover where to go. And then go places where rovers can't go, maybe edge of a cliff, right? So if you are a you know geology uh, fanatic, you know that history of a planet like, um, uh, Grand Canyon. Like history of Grand Canyon is written in the layers of mm. sediments that you see on the walls of Grand Canyon. So a geologist looking at the wall of Grand Canyon can tell you exactly what happened, you know, 600,000 years ago. But we cannot send rovers on a wall. Then I think we can go and explore uh, these kind of uh, exotic areas with a helicopter. Wow. I mean, the lesson I'm learning is if the human mind is incredible, you put your mind to it, you can do it. And the question I have for you, Dr. Firuz Nadiri, did you want to do this since you were a child? Did you want to go to outer space since you were a kid? Or did you stumble upon it while you were pursuing something else? No, I wanted to be a Mars or Terra and tell jokes, but... Uh... What? <laughs> What? No, I, I, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be an architect and um, I started as an architect and um, then I found that I, I really, I don't have the talent for it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, most of the people who work at JPL, they say they got hooked when they saw the moon landing and all of that. With me, it wasn't a epiphany like that. Um, no, I mean, uh, I went to Iran uh, three years before revolution after I got my PhD and, and you know, shit happened there and then I came back. I needed a job in my field and you can either go for the um, uh, weapon industry, uh, which I didn't want to work. But if you wanted to work in space and technical field, but not build bombs and bombers and all of that, uh, NASA was the choice. And I joined them and then ended up staying 36 years. Holy moly. Tehran, what are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, I find it extremely interesting, uh, simply because even as, as a kid, I actually wanted to be Dr. Feeders Nadiri. I would have loved to have studied physics and space 
That was my jam growing up. I do have a question. Are we more likely to find yes, right? Uh, to check my memory, you, you went to law school? Uh, I did. Oh, you did to law school, yeah. Yep. And you and Moz, you dropped out of PhD in economy? Dropped out of PhD in political science. Political science, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, that, that's one of those majors that I would have done anything with anyway. So here we are. <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead, Tara, sorry. Well, actually, Moz uses it all the time when he talks trash about Trump. He actually uses his degree all the time. Yes. Um, and I, I tell you, you don't need a degree to talk trash about Trump. Well, I, I can do that very easily. Dr. Firuz Naderi, right there. Where you go? What, that's, I, I agree. Yeah, sorry, Taron, I interrupted you twice now. No, it's okay, please. I, I just wanted to know, are we more likely to find life on Mars or on one of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn, like Europa or uh, Enceladus, where yeah. there seems to be evidence, stronger evidence of current water? Oh, that's my man, knows his uh, solar system. Yeah. Yeah, geologic conditions. So, uh, Tehran, you see what's the, the photograph behind me? Or it's uh, it's something uh, actually it's, from Galileo, the movie, yeah. uh, the uh, spacecraft. It's the Galileo. eye. It's the eye. It's the eye. So, what you see there is the um, the the hurricanes and and uh, uh, storms on Mars. But on my shoulder, over my shoulder, you also see a moon. That is Europa. Exactly. That is Europa, and the two most uh, promising place to find not past life, like we may find on Mars, but present life. It is either uh, in Enceladus, which is a moon of uh, Saturn, or Europa, which is a moon of Jupiter. So we need like a lot of money uh, to go to uh, Europa. We have started that study to land on Europa. Uh, but uh, it's pretty expensive. And who knows, maybe 10 years later, just like Mars, NASA funds it and 10 years from now we land on Europa. Have we been landing on other planets and, and are there others that we, like which ones have we gone to, which ones have we not? So um, solid planets where you can land and not sink into a body of gas are Mercury, the, the first four. Mercury, Mercury we Venus, done it. Venus, we have landed. I mean, uh, Russians have landed. Earth, of course, and then Mars. Everything uh, after us, they're all big gaseous bodies. So there is no place to land. You will just sink in. Their moons are, their moons are solid. Some of their moons are solid. And, um, and we have landed something on a moon of Titan called, uh, uh, a, a moon of Saturn called Titan, but that's about it. That's amazing. Who are we in a race with right now to, to, to win or whatever in Mars? Is China competing with us, Russia? Who are we competing with to be the American way of, of, of leading? Okay, so maybe we, we, we wrap it up with this. I, I can tell you that uh, this last week um, was just a huge traffic at Mars because not only we went to Mars, so did uh, uh, the uh, Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. I'll tell you a bit about that. And so did China. So first of all, United Arab Emirates, you know, a lot of uh, our folks turned their nose up to them. You know, what the hell, they have a lot of money. They went and bought it, uh, you know, but they had a vision. Uh, their ruler 
this is the 50th year of independence. I think you have given yeah. uh, uh, shows in, in Dubai. Yeah. This is their 50th year of independence. And seven years ago, he had a vision that on his 50th year, he wants to send something to Mars. Uh, you know, he formed a space agency, started training people, not enough to build it, but to train and help with the STEM education of its people. And it was built at the University of Colorado and it was launched by Japan. But nonetheless, I give him credit. Uh, you know, there, as you must know, their population, Emiratis, is one million. Yeah. There's 10 million there, but Emiratis only one million. Well, Iran is 80 million. Yeah. We're, we're, we're at least as rich. So let's uh, praise them. Don't, uh, you yeah. know, don't talk down to them because they bought their spacecraft. Anyway, yeah. they went and they put something around Mars. And then to your question, China has gone. They are around Mars now. They have ca they're carrying with themselves a rover, but they're not going to land it until May. They're going around trying to find a nice spot to land. And then around May, if they land successfully, they would become the second nation to land successfully. Russia did it, but it lasted only 30 seconds. So the only people to have landed on Mars successfully is US. And I think as with anything else, economy and everything else, you know, the force to reckon with is China. So I think next century, uh, they're going to be our competitor in everything, including space. Have we wow. ruined Earth so much that we need to go to Mars? Is that what this rush for Mars really is? Is Earth just unsalvageable and we're looking our sights to another country where if we take away some CO2, add some oxygen and nitrogen, maybe we can have an Earth-like atmosphere? Well, look, you know, a lot of people say, don't ruin Earth with the, you know, the climate change and all of that. Why don't you fix it here? Uh, this is not giving up on Earth. This is not to say, let's write Earth off and you know, try to find something else. They're totally independent endeavors. You know, we should preserve Earth, which we're not doing a very good job of, uh, and explore elsewhere. They're not competing with each other. Dr. Nadri, you're so inspirational. Can I just ask one minute uh, speed round questions, quick answers, okay? And then we're going to be done with you, okay? All right. So this is called Back to School with Dr. Nadri. Back to school. Okay, first question. Who's going to play you in the movie they make about you? Uh, Moss. Yes! That's good, the good answer. Correct answer. Second question. In 2017, you accepted the Academy Award with Anushan Sari on behalf of Asghar Farhadi. Did that give you the acting bite? Do you want, uh, were you bitten by the acting bug, I should say? No, it, as you know, it was done uh, to, uh, uh, to reject travel ban. And I think history has proved us wrong, uh, right. You're a beautiful man. I love your activism. Um, third question, uh, did American scientists first look at you differently because you were Iranian early on in the game? Been so lucky, not a single incident in my 36 year career in NASA. That's because that everybody's Iranian and, or brown. Everybody's Iranian or Indian. <laughs> or, or uh, no, no, the answer to you is uh, never, ever. That's beautiful. Maybe that means I live, in, I live in a bubble. Uh, let's put it that way. Well, scientists are good people. Two more questions for you. Uh, first question was, hold on one second real quickly. Oh, 
What the hell is Space Force? Uh, some crazy man's dream. Um, uh, you know, it, it, we have always thought that we should keep space demilitarized. But uh, our 45th president, along with other brilliant ideas that he had, uh, created this thing. The last question, are you happy Trump is gone? <laughs> Ecstatic. Yes, me That's too. That's a good question. Me too. That's a great question. Tehran, yes, what did you learn in this episode? I learned that I need to start writing an essay in the handwriting of an 11-year-old boy to name the next rocket ship Tehran. And I learned that people, you got to persevere, don't give up. Dr. Nadiri says it takes eight, at least eight years to go from start to finish to get to Mars. So, hey guys, we will, we will do that. And you two guys keep us laughing and uh, keep it light. We're going to do Nadir. shows on Mars. We're going to do shows on Mars. We're going to do shows on Mars. Dr. Nadiri, I want to thank you for being on. I want people to follow Dr. Nadiri at Firuz underscore Nadiri. Uh, on Twitter, at Firuz underscore Michael underscore Nadiri on Instagram. And I want to especially thank you, Dr. Nadiri, for beyond being the scientist that you are, beyond, beyond being the engineer that you are, being the human rights activist that you are, that puts you at another level. So thank you for well, doing I'm sure you guys get it too. And people tell us, uh, you know, don't talk about political scientists. That's not your field. And I keep telling, uh, telling everyone that politics is everyone's field. And if you're not involved, then, you know, shame on you. That's I love you. I love you. And that's a learning moment. Even at the end, he gives us a learning moment. Dr. Nadri, thank you for being on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Good talking to you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Back to school. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope you're having fun. And we hope you're learning something. So make sure to let your friends know. Share it on iTunes. Share the clips from YouTube. Just get it out there. However you're listening, let your friends know to tune in to Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Back to School.